0: Thank you, Devin. As Allegra came and shared that it was good for her to be back in a in a place where it's a little bit warmer than Maryland, Indiana. Um, and many people think of Orange County as, as paradise. I was speaking to Hector de Los Santos, who is finishing up his PhD. He's grown up in this church uh, and looking for um, opportunities to now be translated from Purdue, Indiana, into uh, Southern California again. Uh, this is paradise. Uh, There are various paradise places that people like to either live or travel to. And one is close to us, or fairly close to us, is Hawaii. Uh, But, you know, it doesn't take much for paradise, a place that we would call paradise, to be more considered a place of panic. And if you're familiar at all with what just happened over the weekend, you're well aware of what has caused people to say, I wish that was the last place I was at at the moment. Because uh, this was the announcement given to those who were in Hawaii, and it was uh, these words, ballistic missile threat headed to Hawaii, seek immediate shelter, this is not a drill. I was reading some of the articles about that, maybe you did as well, but this um, a gal named Jocelyn Acebel, who's um, 24 years of age, and she was in a hotel in Maui. And she was woken up by the staff at that hotel and said, you need to rush to our basement for shelter because a missile is headed toward the the islands. And and so for 20 minutes, I guess that's how long it took, there was a 42-cent chip that somehow misfunctioned or malfunctioned, and that's why that alert came that this was not a drill, but a ballistic missile was headed toward where they were staying uh, that fear was rampant in the land uh, because they were wondering, was this the last day that they were going to be alive? And, and those who were natives, they had a little bit of sense of what or some of the options as, as far as going to shelters. But those who were tourists, they, they were, unless they were in a place that was herding them to a location, they were, they were just cr- crawling underneath desks or whatever it might be, hoping that this might be somewhat of an aid in the midst of a missile that might be hitting it doesn't take much for paradise to be a place of panic. And it's all about whether there's a battle that's about to rage and are you going to be the consequences for weapons of mass destruction or at least your destruction are headed your way. Now, when you're not thinking about something heading your way like a missile, you're looking at a place you'd like to live at or tourist, or be a tourist at as this a place of enjoyment and filled with excitement. But it doesn't take much to change. And what I want to submit to you, even if you're living in Orange County, and we are living in Orange County, at least at the moment, is that uh, we are in the midst of something that is not a, an idle threat. We are in a battle. And often what happens is people can be uh, the last to know. We know in December 7th, 1941, that people were living in paradise in, in Hawaiian Islands and then... Uh, an unseen enemy, at least to their sight, was approaching them and devastation happened. And for many, there were probably more causes for death and, and, and pain because they weren't ready. And that often happens in the spiritual realm as well. And this morning, we're going to be looking at that as we look. We're now returning to our series in the Gospel of Luke, which is all, it's all about knowing the truth about Jesus and His plan for us. Is it, We're going to look at the truth about spiritual battles and even as i was looking at this section in god's word there's no way we're going to be comprehensive about all the things that god's word says about spiritual battle but we're going to we're going to hit some major themes this morning and even as we were sharing with the first service and we had a a short response in terms of raising of hands concerning those who were in some of the battle fronts that we were talking about we are in a war and the Bible calls us to be on the alert because someone is seeking to devour us and hopefully you are well aware of that and are ready for this battle. Well let's uh, let's pray one more time and ask God to to really have our hearts and minds alert to his truth this day. Let's pray together. Father, we do thank you that you have called us into relationship with you. And we're convinced that's an awesome life. Jesus said it was an abundant life, a life filled with joy and not just any joy but your joy, a full joy, but that doesn't mean it's always going to be easy. And there are going to be times of struggle, and there's going to be times uh, filled with pain, and there's going to be times filled with more questions than answers. But Father, we pray that we might be ready for whatever comes our way and, and realize that we can have a victory in Jesus. And we pray this day that you might cause us to, to center on the truth so that will make a difference in our lives. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Turn your Bibles to Luke chapter 11, and, and we're going to be looking at a, a section of Scripture that, interesting enough, is in a, in a context, and every, every text in the Bible has a context, and the context of this is Jesus just taught about prayer. Now, that would be something you think Jesus would do, tell people how to talk with God, and He did that, and He gave a model prayer. We call that the, disciples pra- the Lord's Prayer, though it's really the disciples' prayer, and, and it was a way to communicate with God, and it's It's the Lord's prayer that uh, we'll often recite. There's the Reader's Digest view of it in Luke, but in Matthew, um, is uh, it's the familiar phrases: um, "Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Thy kingdom come. Thy be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into into, but deliver us from." evil. And so, so we all know that. We all to fill in those blanks better than you fill in the blanks of the pastor's sermon each week. But because it, it's, it's something we've heard over and over and over again. And it really was a, a prayer for us to say, what, what should you pray about? And how should you pray? We ought to, you ought to fill your, your prayer with, prayers with praise. You ought to praise God. You ought to acknowledge who you're talking to and with. Then you also ought to talk about to God and request things that are important. You ought to request His will to be done in your life. And so often we're looking for things and what God wants, why don't you just follow my plan? And and then as we get so preoccupied with all the things that are wrong in this world, have you noticed there's some things wrong in our world? You know, And, and we're looking for human uh, solutions, and there's nothing wrong to be a part of the process why we are still here, but the problems are not going to be eradicated until who comes? Jesus. So we're looking forward for His kingdom to come. And, and then as we look at whatever we are encountering, and, and most of us probably are not wondering if we can eat lunch to, to today after the service, uh, but where should we eat it, right? Or what should we eat when we get home? But we know we've got something in the, in the refrigerator, but there are places in the world where they don't know where the next meal it is. But whether we know where the next meal is or not, we need to know everything comes from Him. And if a ballistic missile that actually came and hit Orange County, we would not know the next day where our next meal would come, right? And so we want to give praise to, that, to God for that. And we want to deal with the spiritual needs in our life. We need to have a forgiving heart and a spirit to other people. And we need to ask God not to lead us into those things we can't handle. Well, right in the midst of that, what God often does in the ministry of Jesus, He now takes theoretical prayers or theoretical truths and now puts it into the realm of the practical. And Jesus encounters someone who is in need of prayer. And as you think about it, it's not only do we pray to God, but God has prayed for us. And we talked about that last week as Bill shared from John 17, Jesus interceding in our behalf. Where here's Jesus praying for someone who is caught up in the spiritual battle and actually in his life he has been losing it. And this is what we want to see this morning as we look at Luke chapter 11. In Luke chapter 11, this is what we want to kind of center our hearts and minds about. We're going to be looking at what does it mean to encounter the scene an unseen world. Has anybody here seen the unseen world? Now that's a bogus question, right? Because if you raise your hand, well, how could you see that which cannot be seen? Okay, but the thing is we've seen the seen world, but we haven't seen the unseen world. But whether we've seen it or not, and by definition it can't be seen, is that it's still there. We can see the manifestations of the unseen world, but we can't see the unseen world. But there is a battle out there, a spiritual battle, that includes not only things we can look at, but things we can't look at. Well, how are we supposed to deal with that? Well, let's look at Jesus living out that prayer of His um, in Luke chapter 11 and then see the principles for us as we encounter spiritual battles. Begin with the first verse in that section. Luke chapter 11, verse 14. And He, Jesus, was casting out a demon, and it was mute. When the demon had gone out, the mute man spoke, and the crowds were what? They were amazed. Sometimes when you read a section of scriptures, even the most obvious ones, you think, well, why, why, did, why was that their reaction? Now, if I was in that situation and never had seen it for the first time, I'd be amazed. But had Jesus cast out demons before? Had his followers cast out demons before? Had even an expanded group of his followers cast out Jesus? He sent out the 70 and they'd cast out demons? Now, we, not seeing how that, how that would look, we're just taking it by by faith that that's actually what happened but they had seen it or heard about it and yet now they were amazed because this is one of the more unique casting out of a demon because they had been taught by their leaders and they had heard by way of of uh, urban legend that the only way you could cast out a demon was to discover the demon's name and then you call that demon out by name and If you've ever seen any of the movies, I don't like those kind of movies, I don't watch those movies, but you know, we're thinking a demon-possessed person is speaking all these profane things out of their mouth. They're causing people's heads to spin around, and and they identify themselves as, and sometimes it is in the New Testament, where I'm legion, which means I am more than one demon. And why they were amazed is because Jesus was able to defeat this demonic influence in a person's life, even though this person couldn't speak. And if the person couldn't speak because of the demonic influence, you couldn't know its what? Did you, were you listening to me over the last uh, 10 minutes? You couldn't know its name, right? And so they're how did Jesus do this? This is impossible. I know he's done it in the past, but the reason because he had some kind of magic formula, he, he knew the right way to be an exorcist and all those kind of things. The, the reason Jesus was able to, to deal with demonic influence or possession or, or however you want to describe it was not because he had some magic formula. It's because he had magical authority, if you want to use the word magic. He had supreme authority. And when he gave it to others, they had supreme authority. And when people are always looking for the the, the magic words to somehow deal with spiritual battle, they're going down the wrong path. The, The reason anyone can have, and Jesus himself, could have power over the unseen world because he had authority and power. And so the obvious thing here in terms of just making a principle out that, and we're going to be talking about what we ought to know about spiritual battle, and you've heard that phrase, what you, what you don't know could what? Could hurt you. Is that true? You know, if you're thinking of going down a certain road and, and uh, you think the speed limit is one, one, uh, one number and, you, and you're driving much and that number is higher than it really is posted, what you don't know could, could hurt you, right? Well, what don't, you don't know about spiritual battle could cause more defeat than victory. And let's just be obvious here. And this is all predicated on, on and who you know and, and whose you are in terms of having victory in spiritual battle. It's who you know and whose you are. And, and the first one, who do you know? Do you know the one who can defeat any any evil spirit? Because that's the, that's the reality here. Know that Jesus is able to defeat any evil spirit. So the battle is won. Greater is he who is in you than he is in the world. Also, the reality is that he came to destroy the works of the devil. But let's take a step back for a moment. You're saying, well, okay, (laughs) I get it. I get it. Jesus is powerful. Jesus can do anything. But let me be honest here. I'm not who? I'm not Jesus. Have you all come to that conclusion? And so sometimes when you read the New Testament, you go, well, yeah, Jesus is awesome, but I'm not Jesus. I can't do that. Well, first of all, you need to realize that Jesus can do that. He can defeat any evil spirit. But I want to make the next point. Know that in Jesus, you too can defeat any evil spirit. Now, now this is one harder for most of us to believe, but we don't have to feel that any battle we we go into that we cannot win if we're in Jesus. Ephesians 6 says this, Finally be strong in the Lord and in the strength of His might. And so for in the Lord we have his strength, we have his might. Put on the full armor of God so that you will be able to stand firm against the schemes of the devil. So if we have the armor of God, which is there are specific lists in those. I mean, there's specific things about the armor, but if you were to summarize what is the armor of God, it's all of Jesus on you. His righteousness, his, his Uh, breastplate of of faith it's his sword which is the word of god it's it's having all of jesus in you and displayed and relied upon and when that is true you have the ability to stand firm against anything the devil throws at you Uh, another passage i particularly like on spiritual warfare and i've i've read tons of books tons might be a little bit hyperbole i have read many many books on spiritual warfare. And my conclusion after reading them is they make it way more complicated than it is. Spiritual battle is about about being in Jesus, under his influence and power and authority, and then doing what James 4, 7 says. Submit, therefore, to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. And there's only two types of people in this world. The people is... Dr. McGee said there are the saints and there are the ain'ts, okay? Now, if you're an ain't and you want to have spiritual um, victory, then what you do is you, be, you, you transform from being an ain't to a saint, and a saint is simply a person in Christ. And how do you do that? You submit to God. How do you do that? You, you invite Jesus to be Lord and Savior of your life, and if Jesus is Lord and Savior of life, you have victory over the evil one. Now, if you are already a follower of Christ, and you're experiencing defeat in your Christian life, then what you do again, you submit to the Lordship and, of Jesus Christ. You put Him in charge. And you put Him in charge, you say yes to God and no to the evil one, and the evil one, the devil, will flee from you. And that's what 1 John 4, 4 is all about. Greater is He who's in you than He who's in the world. And so in Christ, we can defeat any evil spirit, any unseen world in case I don't say this later on in the message, often we, we, we wonder, well, is, is this the devil making me do it? We don't, I mean, unless you're Flip Wilson. Remember Flip Wilson? Anybody remember Flip Wilson? You know, he would, you know, have that, I don't know what, I forget what that was, It laugh-in or whatever he was in. He, you know, he would say, the devil made me do it. The devil made me do it. Well, we don't really have to try to determine what is the cause for me to get off the, the path God wants me to be. Is it, is it the devil? Is it the world? Or is it my own selfish fleshly desires. Because in every spiritual battle, all three are probably being used at the same time. And sometimes one is more pronounced than the other. But the weapon is the same. Submit to God and say no to the evil one or the evil influence. Whether it's the world trying to have you adopt its values. And don't we all struggle with that? Man, I want that. I want... I would be much more happy if if I could somehow do this and whatever it might be or if I could look like whatever, a different way I look is that there's the values of the world and then our own selfish desires and then there's the influence of the unseen world, the evil one and it's always saying yes to God and no to the influence that we know is a, a wrong direction in our life, right? It's that simple. That's spiritual warfare. Now, as we look at that, we say, so well, what, what is the evil one really trying to do in our life? Now, there are places where God, where, and even he, it can be locally as well, where the manifestation of the Spirit can be what we would consider the more the bizarre. Maybe there's voices, or maybe there's uh, wild, weird behavior. But I, 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 would, I, would, I would say to you, that is the exception around the rule. And, and usually it's only in context where people um, fear evil spirits. Most, our problem most of the time is we, we don't fear evil spirits. We don't believe in them, right? So Satan could could care less whether you believe in him. What he wants you to do is go down the wrong path. And what he does universally or w- worldwide is he attacks us in, in more normal ways, if I could put it that way. In 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 14 and 15, it describes the, the devil the demonic world in a way that we it just not doesn't normally does not make sense. We think of if, if it's not Halloween where we think the devil is wearing red and has a pitchfork, right? We would say if if he if he wore clothing, it would all be dark, right? He's the dark one, okay. But in Second Corinthians eleven says he is an angel of what light, and so he takes the normal things in our lives, twists them. And then the darkness invades our life. So I was, I was talking to the staff. I said, well, what do you think the spiritual battles are for, for our lives and for our people's battles? Man, they rattled off some just immediately. And they were all normal, but devastating. And so what I did is I took the things they gave me and I, I tried to put them all under the letter D. I tried to have some kind of a, 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 kind of a plan to explain it. And, and I, all of us were relate with each one of these. What does what the unseen world in combination with the world and our own selfish desires do to us? Uh, number one, it, it, it discourages us. You ever get discouraged in, in, in your walk with God? You just, you're just, you feeling like you're just not succeeding. It's not making it happen. and You're wondering what God is doing. And, and we only have so much time. And in your Bible study this week, there'll be some additional passage I'll give you to, to kind of wrestle through that. But in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8, it says... Be on the alert. Your adversary, the devil, goes around seeking whom to devour. And that is a a good point as we think about spiritual battles. The first thing we need to realize is that we're in one and we ought to be alert to it. But the other thing is to recognize, well, then how, how does he try to devour us? Well, right after that, he goes into saying that God's people will suffer. When you're suffering, one of the byproducts of that is discouragement. Isn't that true? If you've ever had, I saw Nancy, and she kind of went to the back there, but, you know, you get the flu or you get the cold, and you think, well, it's going to be, you know, a couple days, maybe a week, and then it lasts not only a week, but two weeks, three weeks, five weeks, six weeks, and all of a sudden you get what? Discouraged. And it could, be, it could just be a physical condition, and you're wondering, God, why you why why? Why am I not getting better? And you wonder where God is. And, and all of a sudden, there, there's this thought in your mind. You say, well, gosh, gosh, if God was so powerful, why am I so sickly? You know, why am I feeling so badly? Or, or, or it could be something else. It doesn't have to be a physical sickness. It could be, it could be a, a relational issue that doesn't seem to get fixed. And you're saying, God, I know, I know you want people to get along, but, man, this is not working. It could be a family member. It could be a coworker at work. It could be, it, it could be just a normal thing. And some of you I've talked to, where it's, it's, it, those are the attacks. It just gets you down. And, and all of a sudden God's word tells you, look, it's suffering is part of the Christian life. And, and what I want you to know is that I am with you. Jo- and Joshua, yeah, can you imagine, you know, if, if you're ever going to follow, uh, follow someone, you know, it's, it's, it's better if you follow someone that wasn't immensely successful. Can you imagine Joshua following Moses? I mean, he talked them out of the promised land. He parted the Red Sea, and what am I going to do? And so he tells them, okay, I want you to be strong and courageous. Do not tremble or be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you. And they were going to have some difficult times when they got to the promised land. And he said, look it, when you get discouraged, be filled with courage. It's kind of like a play on we're discouraged, we're encouraged. We have courage or we have fear. And that's the attack of the enemy. And and the solution there is to realize that God is always with you. We might not always understand why we're going through what we're going through. And we only naturally say, I wish I wasn't going through what I'm going through. But he's with you. And the the attack is to to bring you down and be on the alert. It's going to happen. So he can discourage us. Secondly, uh, and I just because I needed the letter D, I put this one. He he, he can defeat you now. In one sense, the Satan can't defeat you, but you can go through a defeating moment. It's like you you can lose without being a loser. Do you understand what I'm saying? Right? You can lose without being a loser. You're 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 not going to win every battle, but that doesn't mean you're still going to win the war. Well, if, if you remember Peter, Peter. uh, there were 12 disciples, you know, one of them we we check off because, you know, Judas wasn't, he's kind of, he was a false disciple, but, but the other 11 were pretty good. But Peter often, went, when the other 11, other 10 got kind of uh, filled with fear, he was always filled with what looked like faith, but sometimes that faith was pride, not disguised as faith. As Jesus was going to go to the cross and he told me, you're all going to scatter, he said, well, I won't scatter, I don't care, I don't care what anybody else does, I'm going to remain strong. Remember that? Are you still with me? Okay. And, and, and so, you know what Jesus says? Okay, okay, Peter, you need to understand this is a battle. And so he says, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to allow Satan to sift you like wheat. Luke chapter 22. And, and you know, Peter felt he was going to make it, and, and yet he got defeated. Now, when you get defeated, and I, I'm describing defeat here, is when you don't measure up to even the level of faithfulness of God that you think you should be. Your, your own love, not somebody else's love, but your own level, you feel good or bad? You feel bad, don't you? And if you go through that enough times or in a significant way, you say, well, why even try anymore? <laughs> all I do is keep failing, right? That's Satan defeating that was the work he had on Peter. But what did Jesus do with Peter afterwards? He restored him. And that's what First John 1 9 is all about. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us Just some of our sins, is that right? All of our sins. So when you get discouraged, when you get defeated, you know, that's a spiritual battle, but that's not from God. That's from the evil one. We will we will lose some battles here, but if you feel that you are a defeated person, just like you feel yourself a loser because you haven't won every game, then that's from Satan. In Revelation chapter twelve, nine, we know that. Uh, that spiritual warfare deals with being deceived. It says in Revelation chapter twelve nine that the evil one deceives the whole world. Now, deceiving simply is, is simply you can find that very easily. It's it's believing a lie. Uh, has anyone here ever believed a lie? Have you ever had buyer's remorse? You bought something you thought was going to do something for you and you realized you got it home and it didn't work and you go, man, I I bought into that sales pitch and the, you know that's in something not really important, but other times we believe lies about ourselves or about other people or whatever it might be, and and we got we started going down the wrong path. And I want you to understand that 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 the, the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy, but Jesus came to give you life. And the answer to to dealing with being deceived is to know the truth, and that's why we emphasize the Word of God so much here. Uh, you know. Romans 15.4, for whatever was written in earlier times was written for our instruction, so that through perseverance in the encouragement of scriptures we might have hope. And the absence of having hope is despair and, and, and being deceived. And then finally, and there's, we could add to this, but kind of like discouragement when you get depressed. In Revelation 12.10, it says that the evil one is the accuser of the brethren. And so when you have that thing that is gnawing at you, that's saying, man, I'm just worthless. What good am I for? Why am I still here? What's, what's going on in my life? Why do I this? You know, I feel more to, I, I just feel like I, I don't have anything to offer anybody. Well, that's not from God. That's from the evil one. And so we need to think that that spiritual battle is a is a ongoing experience where we will face times of discouragement, defeated, uh, feeling defeated, feeling deceived, and being deceived, depressed. You can even even the word def- uh, times when we go through great doubt, and that comes from the evil one. And know that when we're in Christ, we can defeat that. Say yes to what God has said. What has God said is in His Word, and believe that, and not what we're feeling, and we'll have victory. Thirdly, so a couple things to know about spiritual law. Know that that Jesus defeats any any evil spirit, and that in Jesus we can defeat any evil spirit. Number three, know that that with Jesus, there are unseen powers that can defeat any seen enemies. This is all background to going back to the Luke passage, but there's a fascinating story in 2 Kings that I'm going to tell super briefly. But... What we, we often forget is that the power that we have in Christ is to deal with the battles we have in life. You know that familiar verse, Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And this is this is not like Superman where you can you can run faster than a speed speeding bullet and jump over tall buildings in a single bound. That's not that. Okay? It's not being a, all, all of a sudden instantly a better golfer when I get on the golf course because I pray Jesus help me hit a good shot here. That's not what he's talking about here. He, he's talking about dealing with life's challenges. He was in jail when that happened. He said, look at I've learned when I'm in Christ to defeat the battle of having abundance or suffering need, of, of being set free or being in prison, going through difficult times or not going through difficult times. It's through Christ. And that's a seen thing. Paul could see the the guard that he was chained to. That was an unseen enemy. That was the Roman Empire. That was a seen enemy. In Daniel chapter 10, I just mentioned that there's an occasion there where even in the unseen realm, there's some things happening. There was an angel, probably Gabriel, and he couldn't quite accomplish what needed to happen, and the angel Michael had to show up. But what's more interesting is in 2 Kings chapter 6, we have the story of Elisha. And Elisha was a prophet of God, and, and he was protecting the king of Israel from the king of Aram. And the king of Aram got ticked off because he said, how come I can't overcome the king of Israel? And the word got back to him because Elisha is warning him every time you're trying to get him. He says, okay, if I can't get the king of Israel without Elisha being around, I'll get Elisha. So he sends his armies to get one man. Now, Elisha was connected with God, so he knew that was all going on in the, in the seen world, as well as the unseen world. And when the army showed up, he had an associate with him. <laughs> and the associate goes to, to, uh, to Elisha and says, What are we going to do? We're going to be killed by all these armies around us. And, and, and Elisha says, Lord, will you help him see what he does not see? And he prayed that prayer, and now his associate was able to see all the armies of God that were surrounding the armies of Aaron. And so, when you go through battling, you realize that not only do you have God Himself on your side, but you have all His angelic realm when He wants to send them to protect you from whatever you see. I was talking to someone right before the services, and they, and they, they said, They were just new to our church, and they said, Man, I, I came in, I, this is what I needed because I've just been overwhelmed. And when you're overwhelmed, you need to realize. The overwhelming resources you have. That there are unseen forces that can deal with the seen obstacles in the world and your own issues that can overcome. We'll turn back to Luke chapter 11. Because we've only really looked at uh, one verse, and that was Jesus healing the man who was mute. And there was a reaction. We, we said the crowd got amazed. They got amazed because they, they didn't think this could happen unless you could know the name of the demon. And he couldn't know the name of the demon because the demon, demon didn't speak out loud. And, and so they were amazed at the authority and power of Jesus. But not everybody reacted that way. In verse 15, But some of them, and he, he said, but some of them, this is a religious leader, said he cast, this is Jesus, cast out demons by Bezalzabal, the ruler of the demons. Others to test him were demanding him a sign from heaven. But he, this Jesus, knew their thoughts and said to them, Any kingdom divided against itself has is, is laid waste, and a house divided against itself falls. If Satan also is divided against himself, how will his kingdom stand? For you say that I cast out demons by Bezelzebul, but and, I, and if I, by Bezelzebul, cast out demons, by whom do your sons cast them out? So they will be your judges. But if I cast out demons by the finger of God, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. When a strong man, fully armed, guards his own house, his possessions are undisturbed. But when someone stronger than he attacks him and overpowers him, he takes away from him all his armor on which he had relied and distributes distributes his plunder. Now, that's kind of a longer response to what was going on there, but let me just dissect it simply. What was happening here, and this is the fourth thing I want you to know, is it is even though there were some that were amazed that Jesus could defeat any evil spirit, and now as we understand from all of God's word that we that are in Jesus can defeat any evil spirit, and I understand from other places that, that there are unseen forces available to us through God's hand that can deal with any seen forces, we need to realize that some people, they won't surrender to this truth. And what's interesting about it, if you look at the story here, it's, it's, it's this truth. No... That people reject Jesus even when they know better, see what he can do, and it makes sense. They they know better because they had known before this that Jesus had been able to do the miraculous. Some of them probably had seen it firsthand. In fact, in in this particular case, they had seen it firsthand. They saw Jesus set this man free who had been unable to speak. And, and so they couldn't they couldn't say "Well, Jesus can't do the miracles; it's all a big hoax because they they had been there but they but they rejected it well when they rejected it, they had to come up with some kind of answer what, what was their answer? Well, you don't do this by the power of the holy one, you just do this by the power of the evil one or the unholy one. You do it by the power of Bezelzebul. Bezelzebul, which is hard to say fast quickly that's why I stumble over it, that it it is the God of the the uh, the pagan god of the Ekron people in the city of Ekron in Second Kings, but it, it became known in the people of Israel's culture that it was a synonym for Satan, for the evil of the of the of the, of the devil. He, he he's the lord of the flies. He's the lord of the dung. He's the he he is the he's the manifestation of evil. And in some ways, they they had from a worldview. Something's going to right. Does the evil one have powers? Yes, they're limited, not anywhere near the the level of God himself. And so they they explain away Jesus by saying he's an evil man because he follows the evil God and the and the evil God of the, the satanic world but but Jesus, look at that, <laughs> that doesn't make any sense. You know better. You just saw what I did. And it doesn't make any sense because why would, why would the evil one make war against his own armies to defeat the army of God? No one would do that. No one, no one destroys his own forces as he goes into battle. And, and by the way, how would you explain anyone who helps people get, get free from whatever they're encountering? Are you going to say they're from the evil one? You've got to be consistent. That doesn't make any sense. And he said, you know, I, it, it makes much more sense that what happened here is that a strong man, which is the evil one, the devil, has his forces. But a stronger man, which is the Savior, the Messiah, myself, came in and he took over his domain in a forceful way. Now, that's basically a complicated way to say this, is, is what was true then is true now. There are some people that will respond to the message of Christ when they hear the message of Christ. And that's why we are called to do it here and around the world. We are to get the message out. But once we get the message out and we want to continually get it out, there will some who will run to Jesus and then some who will run away from Jesus. And it's not because they're not convinced that he is really who he claimed to be. They knew. I mean, they knew. Well, then why didn't they respond to Jesus? They didn't want want to give up being ruler of their own life. And 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 they didn't want to give up their own sin. And so that really is the spiritual battle. I think it's in Second Corinthians chapter four, it says that the evil one blinds the minds and the hearts of the unbeliever. And, And so as we encounter people, we want to we want to share the message of Christ as clearly as possible. And we want them to plead that this is the hope for life. But we need to realize sometimes it's not because we haven't done a good enough job explaining it or we haven't lived life perfectly. Sometimes people just reject Jesus because they don't want Him. They don't want Him to be the leader and Lord of their life. And and, and we want to pray for them and, and try to bring them off where they're at. But at this point, some of them had made a final decision. We're rejecting Jesus. That's the ultimate spiritual battle, and some lose it because... They don't want to give up their life to Jesus. But then Jesus makes a summary statement in verse 23. He says this, He who is not with me is against me, and he who does not gather with me scatters. Those are sober words, aren't they? You could put it this way. You need to know this, that, that people are either in the way or on the way. And wherever you are in your life, and, and we're all on spiritual journeys, and we're various parts on that journey in terms of, of living our life in God or coming, discovering life in God or living more faithfully for God because we know which way we ought to be going. And, and whenever, at any point in time, we're, we're either in the way of what God is doing or we're on the way God is doing. Isn't that true? There, there really is no place to, to be on the fence. God wants you on his side, not on the other side. And, and, and Jesus spoke in no, no uncertain terms. He, you think you're, that you're acceptable to God because you're so religious. People's, God's not impressed at how religious we are. What impresses him is where's our heart? And are we following his way or our own way? You're either with me or you're against me. But one other final truth in this whole section here is is another response to what had just happened. Verse 24 through 28. When the unclean spirit goes out of a man, he uses this analogy here. This is Jesus. It passes through waterless places seeking rest. And not finding any, it says, I will return to my house with which I came. And when it comes, it finds it swept and put in order. Then it goes out and takes away seven other spirits more evil than Itself, and they go in and live there, and the last state of that man becomes worse than the first. What in the world is Jesus saying here? You could put it this way, and this is the way I try to put it in terms of putting some things to hang the truce here: is that you need to know that that Jesus is not only about changing people on the outside, but changing people on the inside. And, and he uses the analogy here of, of a spiritual battle. He said, "Here's here's an individual life where, who had an unclean spirit within him." It, influence him, dominate him, and, and the spirit left. And, and why did he leave? Well, it, it's quite possible he left because the, the person decided to clean up his own act and got a little bit better for a period of time and, and was, uh, I don't know, reading self-help books and maybe going to some support groups, and, and all of a sudden some of the addictions or some of the lifestyle or patterns of his life was getting better. Uh, but, but it was all on his own. And, and after the evil spirit had left for a period of time, he came back sevenfold. And what's what's the point here? Is God is not so concerned about people just getting a little bit better in terms of their outward behavior because there's a limit how well you can get better on your outward behavior. What, what he wants to change is what's on the inside. Then I was trying to think. Well, can I think of any analogy? Well, I, I would say. Do you know some people in your life that have turned over a new leaf for a period of time? You know, we're just starting the new year, and a lot of people make New Year's, what, resolutions. And, and for some of them, they do a pretty good job for a while. But for most people, what happens? They go back. You know, the studies I've read about, you know, people who desire to lose weight and aren't very successful, what happens is they, they lose a little weight, or maybe they lose a lot of weight, and what happens they not only gain the weight they lost, but they usually gain more weight than they lost. Now, you know, I'm not, this is not a, you know, a council on weight loss or, or developing new habits and things like that. But I, I would say this, is that that's an analogy of what happens. If, if we're just trying to change by putting more self-discipline or self-determination on things that need to be changed, there's a limit to what will happen. And often what happens, it returns back and it becomes worse than it was before. And that's just in the natural realm. And if you put the unseen world in here, what God is interested in is not reformation, but regeneration. What, What he wants is for people's lives on the inside to change. And that's an ongoing life with Jesus. And so often we just miss it. Concluding with this section here, look at verses 27 and 28. While Jesus was saying these things, one of the women in the crowd raised her voice and said, Blessed is the womb that bore you and the breast of which you nursed. And you're thinking, okay, you had you had two crowds here. You had the crowd who were amazed at the miracle of Jesus uh, healing or uh, this man who was filled with the, the demon that caused him not to be able to speak. He was mute. And then you had the other crowd who were cause, calling him to be, that he did it by the power, the evil one. And then all of a sudden you had this individual who said, well, okay, now we've heard from an individual. She got it right. But she didn't. She didn't get it right. I mean, what she said was true, but if that's all she understood, blessed is the one who brought you into this world. And we ought to look at the story of Christmas and be amazed at Jesus uh, coming from Mary and God choosing her out of the the line of of the prophetic line and, and, a, and a woman who had a heart of faith. But if that's all it is, we miss it. Because Jesus responds this way, but he, Jesus said, on the contrary, not my mother that you ought to count as blessed, but blessed are those who hear the word of God and observe it. That puts it pretty plainly, doesn't it? In Luke chapter 8, verse 21, Jesus said this. He says, oh, by the way, and they were looking for his family. He said, my mother and my brothers are those who follow me and obey my word. When we talk about being a part of God's church, about part of God's flock, about being the body of Christ or being the family of God, it's, it's those who hear his word and obey it. So what's the point this morning? The point this morning is, what is it that you know that you need to put into practice? I mean, I, I would dare say many of us knew that Jesus was able to defeat any evil spirit. I mean, when you don't know the answer to a question, you just say Jesus, right? You know, Jesus could do it, but do we know that we in Jesus can defeat any evil spirit? Do we know that, that we have unseen powers that will defeat any unseen enemies or seen enemies? Do we know that, that people, and this is the, the ultimate spiritual battle, can know better, can see better, and and they know, and, and it makes sense to them and still reject Him? Do you know that we're either in the way or on the way? Do we, do we know that He's more concerned about change on the inside than the outside? And how does that happen? It's not by some magical formula. It's by knowing Jesus, following His Word, and obeying it. Let's pray together. Father, we pray this, this morning that we might be people who, who know that we're in a battle. A ballistic m- missile has been sent, and it's, it's not a drill. It's a reality. And the reality is that we, we are in a battle that will attack us from the world's values, our own personal desires, and from the evil one. But we have one who can make us victorious when our trust and faith and obedience is in him. And Father, I would pray for anyone here this morning that that doesn't know you in a personal way. Might they realize that they're in a battle, and this battle is a very subtle one that sometimes will just deceive us to the point where we believe a lie, but Jesus is the truth. And when we ask Jesus to come in our life, forgive us our sins, and, and make us a new person on the inside, that's what he'll do. And for us who have known you for a long period of time, help us not to be idle in our faith. Help us to realize that that we need to be all in to give everything we have to you. doesn't mean we don't still have responsibilities in our everyday life, but in the midst of everything we do and every place we go, that you go with us. And when we get discouraged, when we get depressed, when we we find ourselves being deceived or filled with doubt or depressed, that that you are there and that in you we can win the battle help us to be people that realize that we have a mighty fortress in our god and that he can he can give us victory over, over everything we go through and we praise in jesus name amen